Welcome back to another episode of the You Should Do Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Tedesco. Episode number two, or or 102 in your books, I guess. I don't know if you're looking, following along online. I kind of like to label them that way, 101, 102. You're not really starting with a big prominent number of one who was on the first episode, who's on the second episode. Puts a lot of pressure on the guests. And hell, it puts a lot of pressure on me. So, I mean, yeah, this is episode 102. Makes it kind of seem like, you know, We've been doing this for a while. I mean, I have been doing it for a while. I've been, you know, a producer of comedy uh, for a bit now and and producing shows like this. But uh, episode 102, uh, we're going to the West Coast, uh, Van City, Vancouver, British Columbia. Two comics that are kind of coming out of there or have come out of there. Andrea Jen, hello. Hey, Comedy Juno Award winner for Best Comedy Album of the Year. Uh, making Hayway moved out of uh, Vancouver. Uh, living in LA, touring now, will be coming up for the Just for Laughs Festival here to Toronto. Uh, so great to catch up with Andrew and Jane. We usually kind of bump into each other at the festivals or, 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 you know, shows like this, but always great to see what she has coming up. She's been blown up online. A lot of her stuff has been going viral through TikTok and stuff. She got a new special in the works as well that she will be recording. So always great to catch up with Andrea. And on the back half of this episode, savannah erasmus uh kind of a she, she's been in it for about five or six years right now um more the comedy writer role uh but getting into stand-up and loving it um she's kind of dubbed herself sort of the fashionista or the fashion comic if you will um but yeah she's been doing a lot of great things so we're chit-chatting with both of them some van city vancouver british columbia coming at you in this episode but sit back, relax, and enjoy the You Should Do Comedy podcast. Uh, Andrea and Jen, it's been a minute, as the kids say. How have things been? Good, good. How are you? We're, uh, hey, everything's A-OK up in Canada. In L.A., I know it's a little hectic with the writer's strike, but uh, you're keeping yourself busy, though, as I hear. Yeah, I'm doing stand-up a lot. I'm, you know, going on tour this week. Uh, I'm stop- I'm making a stop in Toronto. Yeah, JFL coming up. Um, pretty much the origin of the of this, you know, podcast and pretty much the origin of comics all in general. I want to kind of start it off with how did you kind of start it off? Was it in Shanghai? Because you were originally from Shanghai, moved to Vancouver, correct? Yeah, and now I moved to Vancouver. In LA. So when yep. did the stand-up career start? Yeah, so I started in uh London, Ontario at my university. It was my first show. And then um, I did it in the university lounge. There were a lot of students there. You know, it was part of like a showcase for a comedy club that was part of that. That was just like a recreational club in the university. And then everybody was told to write like five minutes. And then I wrote my first five minutes. I stayed up all night writing it. And then (laughs) I um, and then I I performed it in the uh, as in the university lounge and everyone was everyone was like talking to each other nobody was really listening it wasn't a proper show but it was still very cool to be able to do stand-up for the first time ever uh because i watched it my whole life like i watched it uh ever since i moved from shanghai so uh it was a it was like a big deal it was a big moment and so i um i went back to vancouver and i started doing like actual shows and i never stopped since <laughs> is it like one of those things where as soon as i got its, it's hooks in you 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 had to have it you just it was like yeah usually how oh, yeah. it all kind of starts 
yeah, from the first moment, really, you know. Do you remember the first club you performed at? Yeah, the first club I did was the Comedy Mix in Vancouver. It's closed Is now. Is that still there? No, no it's shut yeah, down. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty sad because, like, the Vancouver comedy scene is not what, like, it's, it, I, it's unrecognizable to me now. But when I really? first started, yeah, it's totally different. We had, you know, two clubs. We had Yuck Yucks in Vancouver, and then we had uh, the Comedy Mix downtown Vancouver. And, you know, I did those clubs a lot. I did, like, so many spots in the city like independent shows and stuff and and so many of those venues closed down too like little mountain gallery closed down i taped my last hour there and i've been you know using those clips and stuff and so it's just everything has changed and i i it, it's upsetting like the scene i the, i once knew the scene i started the pesty p that kind of put everything to an end the pesty p the pandemic oh <laughs> I the think so. That, yeah, and that kind of kind of crushed everybody. But I mean, Vancouver as a comedy hub. I mean, the six hundred four records are still going there. Comedy here often is still thriving. That's There's true. A lot of outlets. There's a lot of outlets. But I mean, as far as actual physical clubs in space, has it gone more the independent route? Like somebody's doing a a room. Someone's <laughs> got a show here or there. But as far as focused, like as far as focused comedy clubs, no, there's minimal, right? Yeah, yeah. There are, we don't have clubs. The only yuck yucks is like in Surrey, which is pretty out of the way, um, in terms of Vancouver. So it's all the independent scene now. Yeah, you know? so that's the that big thing that kind of took off. Yeah, uh, but, but now I mean, the move to fine. but the move to LA is now kind of opened up your horizons. You're going to go on tour. It's kind of opened up a lot more uh, playing field, essentially, as they will. Uh, you know, if you want to kind of use that 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 term. Um, from you and from your stand-up as the clips you kind of put online and something I always kind of wanted to ask you, the more mm. and more I watch of your stand-up mm. and it, it's been an ongoing trend for like what, two years now, three years. A lot of people are putting in their, their crowd work stuff. It's easy burn material because it changes one night to the next. You kind of engage with the audience and you kind of use that and you put that up on social media. But what I've always noticed about your stand-up and just, you, you're kind of, cadence and the way you are on stage you use your hands a lot and okay. i don't know if that's uh, well as an italian i kind of hey hey she's mm. kind of always doing this and is that more a hereditary thing is that a cultural thing does it come huh. on a lot because yeah asians aren't known for speaking with their hands too much but i've noticed it a lot yeah. with your material <laughs> you know it's funny no one's ever said that to me before like no one's ever noticed that and but i do i know that i do that and but no one else has ever brought it up to me before. So I, I after watching like two or three clips, I'm like, look how much you used in her. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I appreciate you saying that. Cause uh, I do, I do. And, but nobody else has ever said it, but I think they're more focused on my delivery and like my tone. I think everybody comments on my dry delivery and stuff like that, but they don't see like my, uh, my uh, body language and everything. Yeah, characteristics, so. your mannerisms on stage and all that stuff. I mean, it yeah. kind of shines through. Well, like I said, yeah. I'm Italian, so I kind of noticed these things. I didn't know if it was kind of more popular in Asian cultures, like from Chinese to Korean to Japanese. I mean, does everybody tend to have sort of... No, not really. Hand language? I, no? I don't know why or where I picked it up. I mean, I did watch a lot of like, uh, you know gangster movies growing up 
So maybe <laughs> I picked it up. On? Maybe I picked it up from like Goodfellas <laughs> or The Godfather. <laughs> or something. Goodfellas is a good yeah. movie. I watched like Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. The, like, Robert De Niro is like my favorite actor. So um, oh. I, 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 I love. Maybe I picked it up from them. <laughs> <laughs> now in LA, um, uh, obviously stand up is kind of the forefront. But you obviously you're, you were writing a lot before the strike. Um, but in your writing process, obviously when you write for yourself, it's your material. You you know your voice. You know the way you speak, you know the way you use your mannerisms on stage. But when you're writing for other people or other bits, is there sometimes or any moment where you're like, this is good, this is really good, I'm not going to use this because I could totally use this in my bit. Do you ever hold back? Or, I mean, you, A, you got to know who you're writing for or what you're writing for, what show or if it's another comic or you're part of a collaborative. But you ever kind of held back and like, this is something I can kind of work on myself and kind of using my own material well i know a lot of writers do do that actually i know yeah. like this this uh simpsons writer i think saved the, a joke and then used it for another tv show or something like it because it yeah i i know that writers do that yeah you know? they kind of hold uh, back yeah so i don't because i'm so desperate to <laughs> to like crush in the writer's room so then i'm just like because i mean i'm new i'm pretty new in the writer's room I, I i did my first writer's room for andy sandberg's um show animated show on comedy central like earlier this year and mm -hmm. um so i'm like i'm very new to this experience and so anything I just want to do really well. So I'm mm. not holding back. Maybe the, as I do more writer's rooms, maybe I will hold back later on. But that's smart. I should probably save storylines for myself. <laughs> well, the, the, the same thing also applies to when you're doing podcasts or when you're doing other podcasts. Comedians, when you guys get together, whether it's, I mean, yeah, a lot of people kind of collaborate for podcasts. A lot of people kind of get together in the green room before, after the show. And when you're spitballing and joking around with each other, as comics do, you may stumble on a nugget or two that you may like, hey, can, can I use that? That ever happened to you? On like, let's say someone else's podcast, you guys are thinking of something, you're going back and forth, something's kind of evolving. And then all of a sudden you're like, I, I, I can go somewhere with this. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody that does podcasts do do that. I'm sure you know, and but like I definitely do it. Um, I de I definitely do. I uh will get into a topic and then if I can rant rant on it for more than even a minute. No, no, that's pretty long to talk on a podcast for that long without stopping. But <laughs> I would say for even more than like. 20 seconds then i'm like oh maybe there's something there maybe there's right. something there i'll like write it down and then yeah i've definitely gotten bits from podcasts but like then being who on owns podcast. it after that is it you or do you got to talk to the guy who's running the podcast i'm like hey there was something there i'm gonna take that unless you want it or maybe he's thinking the same thing or she's thinking the same thing well they can't it it depends on who said it like if <laughs> if somebody else said it on the podcast i'm not gonna be like oh that's my joke now like <laughs> like i have to only I think it's an unspoken rule that we all take what we say. 
you know? Fair enough. Unspoken rules. I mean, they, unless, go, they go far in this industry. Yeah. And I, I mean, unless you're riffing off of each other, you know, Fair enough. I, most of the time, I don't, I, I, I haven't heard of any disputes of podcasts, just like people stealing each other's podcast bits, but then, um, but I think the unspoken rule is like, obviously don't steal each other's jokes. And obviously I think on podcasts, just if you're going to do a joke about it, do what you say, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, so the tour kicks off next week and you're coming to Toronto September 21st. I mean, this week I go to Washington, DC you're for the East Coast. My first weekend. Yeah. And then after Washington, DC, I do Toronto. So. Now, when was the last time you were here? Oh, a while ago, I yeah. would say. Because, I mean, I did Montreal before two years ago. two years ago. So, over two years ago, I think, like, the last time I was in Toronto might have been for the Junos. It was wow. for the Junos. Well, you won Comedy Album of the Year. and the, the, I mean, and I, I can't even remember that. Did you get up and do an acceptance speech? No. I did. I might speak, oh, you I did? Did they didn't air it, though? Well, they did. It was on, because uh, it was part of the opening night ceremonies, and it right. wasn't part of the, the, the awards where they did literally the the show show, the, the actual show, they maybe gave out like three awards. So And the rest were performances. Yeah. And then like most of the, most of the awards were given out the night before and the opening now, night ceremonies. The tour and coming to JFL, obviously you're working on the next one. Uh, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got left in the tank? Or what can you bring out of the tank to top the last album? I mean, I'm going to shoot this one as, as a special. So it will be video output. <laughs> so <laughs> are you going to yeah. release it like to YouTube or are you, are you talking with the service right now? Uh, we're, 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 we're going to have to like tour. Towards the middle of the tour, I'm gonna we're gonna like shop it around. But then, you know, if nothing works out, then I'm more than happy to put it out on YouTube. I just want it out there. So I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's picky. your work. You got to kind of execute it wisely, right? Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not picky. Before we kind of wrap things up with you, I kind of want to end off the podcast with kind of a rapid fire, kind of a rundown of questions. First and most importantly, right off the top, your favorite comedic influence growing up. Oh, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Wow, growing up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. I had him. I watched him, like, religiously growing up. Uh, favorite stand-up right now to watch? That's that's hard. Uh, Do you have, like, a top three? <laughs> I mean, oh, man, this is supposed to be rapid fire. <laughs> yeah, take your time, Andrew. Don't worry. I know, I know. I, I love all of New York stand-up. And then here, I, I mean, I've been watching, I've, I've been watching Bobby Lee a lot because of, um, Bobby Lee's because I, I run into, yeah, I run into him at the comedy store a lot. So I would say like, I love watching Bobby. So Bobby, your favorite Bobby comedy Lee. movie growing up. Oh, Step Brothers. Nice. Okay. Uh, favorite club to perform at in Canada, in, LA, in the world. Bobby. Okay. Anywhere. anywhere. Well, in Canada, I would say that either the Comedy Mix or Yuck Yucks in Vancouver that are both closed now. Uh, <laughs> but, but in, they were in, your in, in, they were my favorite. 
but I mean, I loved a little mountain gallery as well. That's also closed now, but, uh, in things that in, are open, Andrea, things that are open in the, in the United States. I loved Zanies in Chicago. They were really fun. Ah, that's a nice yeah. place, man. Uh, yeah. your best set to date. You have one that kind of sticks out of your mind. Like I, I mean, my Corden, yeah, my late late set with James Corden. I really did. Although I watched it after and I was like, I took too long. And your favorite joke of yours to say? Oh, I like right now, lately, I've been really enjoying doing this joke about uh, this 23-year-old person I'm dating. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, does he know that he's the butt end of a joke? Whatever, whatever new joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I checked. I checked with him. But <laughs> but it's like it's been fun because it's a new joke, you know. Yeah. New uh, jokes have so much. Fun. When you're on the road, your favorite traveling buddy. You have kind of a comedy comedy bestie you'd love to travel the road with. I love doing the road with Jason Cheney. He's very fun. He's very fun. Favorite place to eat on the road. Has anything kind of stood out? Some greasy spoon somewhere. Everything I've had on the road is gross. So <laughs> maybe Taco Bell. I like Taco Bell on the road. It's like dependable. That's your go-to out of all the franchisees? That's uh, <laughs> what's your go-to order at Taco yes. Bell? I get a Doritos Locos Taco Supreme and a, uh, and I, I, I also get, I also get a Chicken Chalupa Supreme. Hey, uh, Chicken Chalupa. What was the first one? Doritos Locos Tacos Supreme, but then like I get two of those. It's very good. <laughs> Andrew's got an appetite. Uh, and the best advice you ever got in this industry? To retain that part of me that was very excited to start in comedy. Like, like the you know, when first starting out, just feeling like this is the coolest thing ever that I get to do this, like to keep that part of me. Keep that part of you. So is that has that been a struggle some nights or what? No, it's never been a struggle, but it's nice reminder. I I always think I've always, 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 always. I've never taken it for granted. I mean, I guess there are some shows where I'm like, what am what is this? Like, did I didn't get anything from this? But like, but <laughs> but then, but like you know, it's uh uh. It's always a good reminder, even though it's not, it's a struggle. It's still a good reminder. And to like, obviously keep my, um, um, stay true to my voice. You've won comedy album of the year. You've won the Juno for comedy album of the year. You're kicking ass in LA. You got the writer's credit. You have, um, uh, a tour that you're starting on the East coast and you're coming mm -hmm. to Toronto. So all good things are turning up Andrea Jen. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll see you when you're here in Toronto, but good luck with the tour, and we'll catch you at JFL. Yeah, can't wait to see you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Savannah Erasmus, how are we doing? I'm really good today. How are you doing? Doing okay. Kind of settling into the day, as they say. Yeah. Um, I, I, coming at JFL Toronto, a big, huge festival. Uh, last time, were you in Toronto before? Last time in Toronto? I've actually never been to Toronto, so oh, I'm really excited to just arrive and get to know the city. And um, I've have I've already been taught the correct pronunciation 
of Toronto. So um, that's my first lesson. By that, do you mean the pronunciation of the city? As in, yes. we don't pronounce the second T? Don't pronounce the second T. The, <laughs> on, the ongoing, to be, yeah, a lot of Toronto, Toronto, it's, yeah, the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. So you've been in this industry for a while, but I mean, the origin of this podcast essentially is the origin of the comic. How did this all start for you? How did you kind of get into the crazy world of comedy, as they say? Well, I've always like loved stand up and I don't know. I just like had nothing else to lose. I was in a really deep depression, um, classic origin story to stand up comedy. But I just thought that um, it was going to be something really fun uh, to do and something that I've always wanted to do. So yeah, I got started in 2018 and it's been really fun so far. <laughs> so was it kind of like a bucket list item? I did it's done or in that moment you hit the stage, you were like, I need to have this feeling every day of my life. Well, I did do um, a single stand-up routine in high school. Like that was my bucket list item. I just wanted to um, see if it was for me. And at that time, um, I didn't know how to write a joke. So it didn't work out then. And yeah, when I uh, got back on stage in 2018, I just thought it was something that I could like continue to work on because um, I think the most exciting thing for me about like following artists and growing up watching, you know, huge stand-up comedians um, is just watching the growth of their career and watching how they continually like put so much effort into their um, into their art and seeing like where they end up. So I think the evolution of stand-up comedy and watching like an artist progress in their career is like really exciting. So no, I just thought that I would just continue. It's interesting you say that because you found it difficult to write a joke, something I always found difficult to do. That's why I kind of, again, dabbled in high school. Hey, for me, I always found it easier. I went the second city route. I'm not a comic at all, but I, I tried it. I went that route. I found it easier to kind of do sketch and, and, and combat ideas with someone. For you, how did you get comfortable kind of getting in your own head and, and you know, getting that material out of the cerebellum and onto paper or like, how did you start your writing process? How did that all kind of come to be? Yeah. Good question. I think, um, like as I started getting involved in like the stand up comedy scene in Vancouver that I started meeting people who, um, really wanted to, you know, write together and just like collaborate, I guess, um, in that way. So that kind of like forced me to write and really just, um, forced me to like, carve out time in my life to like yeah write those jokes and figure out like what the material was actually going to be um mm. and because once you when you start stand-up comedy I had no idea like what I was doing or you know the process of, mean, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um so I think I credit a lot of to the other comedians I know for um yeah forcing me to write with them and and um yeah, I think that it takes a long time until you can write the jokes that you want to write and uh, perform them in the way that you want to perform them. Like it's been five years and I still think that I have a lot of work to do and a lot to learn. So mm -hmm. yeah, I just think it's a process, but it's, it's fun. It's an ongoing evolution, I guess, this, this art mm -hmm. form, because yes, I mean, five years ago, six years ago, comedy was a little different than it is now, but so is the entire world. So you got to kind of keep up the bar. Um, that's uh, in, in Vancouver, that's kind of been the trajectory of a lot of comics because the comedy scene in Vancouver has changed 
obviously in the last five years, the pandemic was a big thing. I, mean, I know there was a lot of clubs that kind of shut down. So you find yourself kind of, and everyone's kind of doing it nowadays as being the self-promotional machine, booking yourself, getting out there, kind of hosting your own shows. I mean, you are a writer, you are a producer, you are a comic in your own right. So it's that other, it's getting that other side of your brain to work as well. That yes, I'm an artist, but I'm also going to be my own hype man as well and get myself on a lot of shows. Is a lot more in the independency now in Vancouver that's kind of thriving and that where you find yourself more success? Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, a lot of comedy clubs did close over the pandemic and it does force comedians out here to self-produce and, um, and that's definitely where I am now. Like I, uh, self-produce my own shows and mm. I think I'm not super great at the self-promotion of stand-up comedy, like, but I'm think I'm really good at <laughs> producing shows where, uh, that have funny people on them and, yeah. um, just, just trying to like make space and, um, just produce good shows with good standup. Um, it's kind of where I am right now. And luckily, like I've been able to do the Winnipeg comedy festival and now I'm heading to JFL Toronto. And that is, um, I've decided to continue, <laughs> um, to do standup comedy post pandemic and yeah. like to do that you just need to do it in your own way. I Well, I mean, hey, the one thing every comic searches for is one stage space and two good energy because every yeah. stage space has to come with good energy. If not, you're just pretty much trying out material for other comics in the back of the room. Um two words that stick out with you that I've kind of noticed been kind of in in, in a description when we talk about Savannah the vintage comedian or the fashion comedian? Can we kind of explain it? Or is the fashion vintage or is the vintage fashion? I don't know why those two words kind of uh, resonate with you, but in every bio and every kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, anything that's kind of written up on Savannah, those words kind of stick out. What is the origin of those words essentially and how they kind of hooked on with your train? Yeah, I think um, like in the time, um, you know, in the three years that the pandemic started um i like i wanted to continue do, continue doing stand up but i was i found myself more drawn to like writing writing felt more comfortable to me it felt um like i could you know do it without all the nerves and um all the stress of performing and mm. um when i so i just started but then i wanted to like make stand up like more fun <laughs> and exciting for myself so i think i just like adopted like fashion comedian like as a joke like just because um like to me stand-up is performance it's like it's an energy it's a show and um I just think that to me like Savannah the stand-up comic like just wasn't exciting enough and it didn't like or even like Savannah the indigenous comic didn't really like evoke what um my style is my style is just like super silly and campy and like I love fashion like I just want to talk about fashion and clothes and style on stage so it's kind of just like a theme that I just like adopted to make stand-up more fun and exciting to my brain because I am deeply stressed out when I have to perform <laughs> so that kind of just came out in my material when I started performing post-pandemic and um, it kind of stuck because it is more fun and um i just think that like fashion tells a story and um so i just try to like make jokes about like what i'm wearing or like you know those stereotypes of like different clothing items or like 
I don't know. I just think it's like, it makes it more fun to my brain because my, my initial inclination is to just commit to the writing and, um, you know, pursue a writing career rather than a stand-up career, if that makes sense. No, totally get it. I mean, hey, it's it's a good <laughs> word and it stuck out. It made me want to question it. But now do you find yourself that like fashion comedian, do you find yourself kind of questioning what I'm going to wear on stage every night? Does that become part of the performance? Oh or my like, gosh, but you know- it, yes, but it makes it so <laughs> much more fun. I have, um, I just think, it, yeah, like all of my favorite color is green. Like I just like wear green on stage all the time. I don't know. It just like, it really is a persona. And I guess it helps me get into like, the character and get into like the show aspect of stand-up and I just think it's like really fun and um that is what is important to me that that I'm having well, hey, fun. if you're having fun on stage then the audience is having fun on stage they can read a comic right so as long as you're <laughs> yeah. cool in your clothes essentially the the rest of the crowd should be but I like that because first of all a comedians I mean I mean look at the male comics that grace the stage Fashion, I mean, is not really in their forte. I mean, the the prototypical fashionista or fashion look for a standard comedian from the 1980s, even till today, is essentially male white guy goes on stage with a sport jacket and the patches on the elbows. And that's pretty much the look of every stand-up comic. But over the years, that's obviously progressed and everybody brings their own style, their own style of comedy, their own voice comes to stage. But yeah, you have every right to bring your own style to the stage. I mean, it, it sticks out as a fashion comic. Uh, you mentioned being an Indigenous comic as well. I mean, this day and age, it's like checks all the boxes with so much going on. How is that uh, so important for A, your community, uh, where you are in Vancouver, coming uh, coming into Toronto, and just essentially you're, you're going to be on tour, as you mentioned, Winnipeg Comedy Festival. But having your voice heard and kind of letting everybody know that we're we're still out here. I mean, like there's many avenues to um, uh, indigenous culture and one of them, yeah, is comedy and we can kind of make fun of ourselves. We have a very different, unique perspective, but what's your kind of take on it? Yeah. I, um, I think when I first started doing stand up, I thought that I had to do stand up in a very specific way to represent being like an indigenous young person in right, this okay. country. So I think I like, you know, I got super political and like, I was just like trying to write jokes that I didn't necessarily connect to, or, you know, I thought I had to do it in one specific way um, to express myself, but that's not true. And I think um, the way that I do stand up now and the way that I write now, it is more representative of myself and who I am. And um, which then just like, I think represents the diversity of like indigenous folks in Canada. Like we don't have to be indigenous in one specific way. And right, um, we are like a diverse uh, group, diverse peoples. And that's why I started adopting like the fashion comedian um, because like, I think that indigenous comedian just kind of um, made me perform in a specific way that I wasn't really like connecting to. And then therefore wasn't connecting to, to audiences or, you know, other writers because I just like was kind of perf- performing how to do stand-up comedy and not actually doing stand-up comedy if that yeah you don't want to be considered sense. one way or pegged no. that way oh you're the indigenous comic portion of the show or oh, you're the yeah. the gay portion of the show or oh, you're the white guy portion of the show that's i mean it's been gone for a while but some bookers tend to still think like that but yeah hey cool fashion comedian kind of eliminates all of that and you're kind of opening up the, the spectrum of 
what are we going to get? Who, who's going to come on stage? Um, Absolutely. And I think yeah. that um, my stand up now and like my material now is like so kind of like all over the place. And um, that's what makes it fun because um, I think that you know, playing into stereotypes on stage is, gets a little bit boring. It's, it's not fun to just be the token person on a lineup to do Never. the token no, no, material. No. So and if, the, yeah. if there's one industry that you could be different in, this is the one to be in. <laughs> uh, I like to end off every sort of segment and interview with kind of a rundown of questions. So if you will grace me the honor of kind of, let's hope to do it rapid fire, but sometimes they kind of go off kilter because some people's answers are like, what, what did you say? Let's yeah. dive into that a bit more. Uh, but Favorite comedic influence growing up? Wanda Sykes. Nice. Well, that was the first one. I never got that one. Favorite stand-up comic today? Ooh, good question. Um, Do you have a few favorites today? Yes. Uh, Catherine Cohen, um, Pat Regan, and, oh, and Danica Tebow. Nice. All right. Uh, first comedy club you performed at? Do you remember the name? Yes, it was the comedy mix in downtown Vancouver. Rest in Which peace. Is no longer, no longer exists. <laughs> R.I.P. the comedy mix. First joke you ever told on stage? You remember that? Um, yeah, the first joke I told was in high school. Um, it was a joke about how our public pool was always closed because people always pooped in it. Classic public pool joke. Yep. Uh, if you had a franchise restaurant in your house to take place of your kitchen, what would that restaurant be? Pretty much, Ooh. what would you eat every day of your life? What, which one of the franchise restaurants would they be? A Cactus Club. <laughs> really? Well, I can't. They have a very diverse menu, so you can pretty exactly. much exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if it was a Greasy Spoon, if it was one of the like fast food restaurants, it would be Wendy's. Oh, what? Good girl. One of my faves as well. <laughs> awesome. Baconator, all the way. Yeah. Uh, your favorite club to perform at? My favorite club to perform at is the Fox Cabaret in Vancouver mm -hmm. in the projection room or on the main stage. It's just an iconic venue in the city. Um, if you had to go on the, on the road, who's your favorite traveling buddy? Ooh, I think if I was to go on the road, um, I would go with Tin Lorica or uh, Julie Kim. Um, just folks who know that I'm not great at social interaction. And would give me quiet and alone time. Do you have that now that you kind of like, you kind of developed a comedy clique? Like, these are my people. I can stick with them. They get me. I get them. Yeah, I think um, the friendship definitely develops when you perform with folks. And um, I just also think they're great comedians. So if I was to go on the road, I hope that it would be a comedy tour. And those right. folks just came to mind first that they're funny and they'd give me space. For a celebrity crush? Oh, it was John Travolta. Wow. What movie? Grace. Oh, okay. Hey, that's, yeah. a, that's an iconic one. That's an <laughs> iconic one. Uh, best comic that you would recommend we all need to kind of watch out for? Ooh, okay. Um, I think DJ On and Tin Lorica in Vancouver are mm -hmm. incredible writers and performers. And I think you should definitely check them out because they're hilarious. And to wrap it all up, the best advice you ever got in this industry? Oh, it was to dress better than the audience. Well said by the fashion comic. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. She'll be at JFL Toronto September 26th at the Royal Theater. Uh, but you'll be there September 26th, part of JFL. Thank you so much, Savannah.
Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. We'll see you in Toronto. There you have it. Catch both Andrea and Savannah at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival here in Toronto. Um, that was episode 102. I'm Vince Tedesco, and thanks again for, for tuning in to the You Should Do Comedy podcast. Uh, please tag, share, follow, five-star review, all the, the glitz and glam and all the little idiosyncrasies that come with people who, who do the podcast stuff. But wherever you're listening on, make sure you, you just help and support the, the podcast. We're up and running. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're new to the scene, so I'm new to the podcast world. So any support you can give me would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep supporting great artists, keep supporting Canadian comedy, and keep supporting the You Should Do Comedy podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.